The Brooklyn Nets enter the 2020-2021 season with NBA title aspirations. But can the star duo of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant mesh to bring Brooklyn its first championship? And what about rookie head coach Steve Nash? We'll give you an in-depth Nets season preview and make our predictions. We'll also chat with Kerry's old Nets teammate on those NBA Finals teams. It's the great Kenyon Martin. All that plus Kerry's Chronicles and more next on the debut of Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is Barclays Center. Full Court on Flatbush. Flatbush Avenue. It's the podcast. The New York Post. BK. Most stars in the sky. The three. It is Full Court on Flatbush, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at Kerry underscore Kittles 30 and myself at Robin Lundberg. New episodes of the show come out Wednesday afternoons. This is our special season preview Monday debut before the Nets open their season against the Warriors Tuesday. Kerry's old teammate on those NBA Finals Nets teams in 02 and 03, the great Kenyon Martin, joins us in the second half of the show. But right now, we got to get right to it. You got Kevin Durant, you got Kyrie Irving. And, and Kerry, I want to ask you, do you think you and I can be like KD and Kyrie? I don't care which one I am. I'll burn sage before the show if you want. That is so funny. That's great. Um, yeah, I think we can. I'll definitely be Kyrie and let you be KD. That'll be that's a good that's a good matchup right there. Uh, I, I'm I'm KD. All right, I'll, I'll take it. You know, because I seen KD recently, and that dude is sick. You know, like that's the thing about watching those two guys play with with all the other stuff that's gone on and and everything that got us to this point. When you just watch them out on the court, and to Kyrie's point, I want I want to let my play speak for itself. They're disgustingly good, and, and it just brings up your hope around what this team could possibly accomplish, Kerry, because you have two guys out there on the floor who can really do anything. They can they can hit any kind of shot, whether it's a, a pull-up three, whether it's a, you know, a, a fall away on the baseline, whether it's something off, off the dribble. It, it just puts the, the defense in, in, in such a compromising position. And, and I know throughout your career, I mean, you guarded some great players. Michael Jordan, <laughs> you know, he went head-to-head with Michael Kobe Jordan. Bryant. Kobe Bryant, of course. The game has changed a little bit since then, but just how much does having – you know, a player who is capable of doing what those two guys do, not to mention one, but two of them on your team do for the, the entire squad. Makes the game that much easier, especially in today's game where where scoring is, right, such a, a, a an important part of today's game. And so you have two of the more prolific scorers on the same team in their primes, right? Unlike when the Nets brought in Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, who are a little bit older, these guys are in their prime. And for a guy like me who came back from a knee injury and was out watching Kevin Durant come back from, from being out an entire season and playing with the kind of energy and lift that he has in his legs and explosiveness, they're going to be a tough duo to, to match up against. They're going to constantly find the mismatches and opposing teams are going to be, you know, twiddling their thumbs and just out of angst 
on how to slow these two guys down. You know, I watch Kevin Durant play, and, you know, you, you see him play for a second because you know what this guy was once capable of and, and is capable of, already an all-time great player. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the league's in trouble. Let's go. But, you know, you know what it's like to go through an NBA grind. So part of it's coming back and, and getting out on the floor. But how much of it is holding up over the, the long haul of a season? You know, how much will we know about KD early and how much will be a, a progression throughout the year? Yeah, he he looks mid-season form already, and we are just getting started. So get your popcorn and get ready for an exciting next season. But like you say, it's a marathon season, right? It's not going to be 82 games. It'll be 72 games. So we'll have to see how he, you know, with the with the load management, progress throughout the season. But I will say he's a pro's pro. He knows how to take care of himself. I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that he'll be ready to go in the postseason. And I tell you what, the Nets are going to be a tough out for any team in the East. You know, it's also interesting the way I think they're going to use him a little bit and ease him back in. I see them using him almost more as a big defensively early, which which could really help them out, I believe. Because you forget about the defensive side of the ball where he improved a lot in Golden State and he just has that length. And you mentioned, you know, you talk about Garden, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. One thing that has evolved from the game at that point is how small teams go. And they, they play five out at times. So I could see KD in closing lineups a, a, as the center. How much pressure do you think he's going to put on both ends? And how much do you think his defense is actually going to bring to the team? Well, Kevin Durant definitely improved as a defender throughout his career. And let's not forget, he is seven feet tall. So <laughs> you have a guard mentality on offense and what he's capable of doing when he has the ball in his hands. Obviously, his long range. But on defense, being seven feet tall, you can guard – any four or five throughout the NBA, no one is really playing with their back to the basket anymore. So you don't really have to worry about that. So I really see him stretching the court on offense and just defensively having that versatility to match up against all the forwards and bigs in the league. He, he's a, definitely a, 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 a difficult matchup for most guys. Yeah, and then we, when you get to Kyrie, you know, there's so much that goes on around Kyrie, maybe the most talked about player outside of, I guess, Harden because of all the, the trade speculation, but just, you know, from uh, the way he, he brings out something in people. Um, and, you know, the whole Sage thing I referenced at the top of the show around Boston, there was the, the media thing. But when it comes to just being out on the court, I don't know. Is there a more skilled player? Is there a more fun player to watch? In fact, I mean, that guy's handle, pop, 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 the, the, the way he hits you with that stuff. Best ball handler who, who's ever lived for my money. I, I agree. I, I would say uh, Kyrie Irving and, and Steph Curry are definitely the most exciting players to watch in the NBA. As far as his skill with the ball, his counter moves, he, he's definitely the best ball handler ever in the NBA. I've never seen the stuff that he does. He, he never loses control of the ball. He shoots with his left hand all the time over bigs. He, he's a, you know, three-way scorer, right? Inside, outside, off the dribble. He's, he's such a prolific scorer. He's so much fun to watch. I'm excited as a fan now to get a chance to watch him play. I'm excited definitely to see him wear the, that, that Nets jersey and be out there with another superstar um, which he's been waiting to do for a long time. You know, I, I've compared Kyrie in the past to Wolverine from the X-Men in the sense that <laughs> some of that stuff you don't want around you all the time, right? Uh, but when, when going gets tough and you're in tight spaces and you need to operate, you want Kyrie on your, your team? I mean, how much as a, a teammate? Because you, you are a guy who, you know, you're going to position yourself and, and knock down the open shots. 
when everyone else is, is playing off Kyrie and, and KD and they know what they're capable of doing, what is the mentality of the other players on the team knowing that those guys are going to have the ball throughout basically the entire game? You're just waiting to just tee up open threes in today's game, right? I mean, you're just standing in the corner if you're Joe Harris or if you're, if you're Spencer Dinwiddie. You don't really have to work and create your shot. You know that those two guys are going to draw the attention from the other team, double teams, getting in those tight spaces and kicking the ball out for open threes. All you have to do is just tee it up and just make open shots. It's going to be a lot of fun for those role players. I can tell you that. Joe Harris is one of them, um, and and he has just improved. I mean, over the years, for, for a guy who was a, a cast off from, from the Cavs and, and now one of the most deadly three-point shooters in the NBA, it looks like he's added that contested three to his game where he can shoot it in somebody's face and, and not just get it off. Uh, and, and the green light. That, that he has as well. All the hardened trade speculation and, and rumors that went on. Um, and, and there was a time I think Nets fans were thinking about making that that deal. And now I think Nets fans would say, no, we, we want the depth. We, we want to have, you know, the bevy of guys. We want to have Spencer Dinwiddie, who, who has adapted well in the preseason without really touching the basketball at all. And no. then, yeah, and then Joe Harris, you know, th- that is, he's the kind of guy that has a chance to make like legendary shots, right? Yes, yes, definitely. I, I think Joe Harris, I watched him last year at a game, you know, and, and before the game, just catching the ball and just keeping it high and just shooting threes without bringing the ball down. I was like, wow, that's pretty unique right there. So he has a, a unique skill set and his ability to make such a high percentage shot from, from behind the arc. Dinwiddie, right, like all-star stat, all-star caliber player, over 20 points a game last year. You know, he he's another player who the Nets can rely on when Kevin Durant's out the game and when Kyrie's out the game. And let's not forget about Karis Avert. I mean, he's another guy that scored 50 points against the Celtics, and that's not an easy feat to do um, in today's game. So the Nets definitely have a lot of depth. They have some players who are really going to make the game that much easier for those superstar players as well. So, you know, it kind of goes back and forth between Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, Le- Levert is the guy that um, you know, you, you bring him up, and 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 I think they've already they at least Nash has hinted towards him playing the Manu Ginobili role for this team because he's so much better with, with the ball in his hands. So coming in on uh, the second unit when when Durant and, and Kyrie sit down and, and running the show, I mean I, that he looks like he could have six man of the year potential. I, I think if he if he's doing that, no doubt about it. I, I think he will be in that conversation at the end of the season. I mean, he's a very versatile player when he has the ball in his hands. And I I just really love what Steve Nash is doing. I think these guys are going to be all in on the style of play and and what he wants to accomplish as a new head coach. Karis LeVert is going to be a distributor at times. He's going to look to score at times and and, and feed off of other players. And so I look to see this team doing really well in the open court, pushing the ball up with, with, with the Real sense of purpose in their pace. You you, you played um you know in a, on a fast paced team I and mean, the, the the Nets like to get out get out in the fast break. They they like to 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 run and, and push the ball. Obviously, Steve Nash on the the seven seconds or less Suns. Mike D'Antoni's on, on this coaching staff. So I would imagine they're going to implement a, a lot of that. But um, Nash um, is a first year coach, right? And there's there's been a lot of talk about him. Uh, obviously, I don't think you know it's it's not without precedent. Uh, we, we've seen, you know, heady guards get get jobs out of playing without experience, whether that be Doc Rivers or Steve Kerr or, or, or Mark Jackson. We've seen great players get it. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, your, your old teammate, Jason Kidd. I've been impressed with Steve Nash's temperament 
thus far, which I think is one of the most important things for this particular job, right? Because when, when Kyrie said, uh, we don't need a coach or whatever it was, the, the comments <laughs> that he recently took back, in a sense, there is a part of that that's true when those guys are out there freestyling. For, for Nash, it's the, the basic philosophical way they want to play, I think, and then the, the way he manages everybody, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. I, you know, he's a, he's a pl- former player who's been around the game for a while, especially, you know, uh, as, a, as a point guard in the NBA in, in our era. One of the best things about it is that he already um, has a re- relationship with KD and Kyrie. He worked out those guys almost every summer, spending time with them, you know, working on skill stuff and, and developing and establishing a relationship. So this isn't new for Steve for Steve Nash. There's going to be parts of being a coach that he will learn from Mike D'Antoni and, and just from being a coach on the bench, right? I, I think the best way you learn is just being out there, right, and having to deal with it. And so he will have um, a learning curve, no doubt about it. But I think he 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 has the trust of those players. They, they believe in him already. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he used them, uh, especially late-game situations. Well, what do you think is the closing five for this team? You know, I, I think you got to have KD's obviously out there. Kyrie is obviously out there. I think Harris is out there. And, and Dinwiddie as well. You, Dinwiddie. So then what's the fifth spot? Is that Jeff Green sometimes maybe? Is, is it LaVert? If you want to go big, it, it, it's, uh, it's DeAndre Jordan. I, I think you'll see those guys out there. Terrion Prince is definitely another stretch four who's going to be a huge addition to that team from what they had on the last couple of years. So any, any number of guys, whoever making shots, uh, Steve Nash will go with those guys. You mentioned, a, you know, a traditional center in DeAndre Jordan. I don't think a lot of times they'll be in the, the closing lineups, but that is, a you know, he's going to start for the, the Nets. Uh, Jared Allen uh, on the roster as well. Fairly similar players, um, but obviously DeAndre's a, a vet. And, and one thing I think he brings to the team that, that people don't give him enough credit for is his passing. He, he's a really heady passer near the top of the key. Yes, DeAndre Jordan definitely knows how to run those dribble handoffs. He knows how to find those open shooters. And I still can't tell to this day, is he right-handed or left-handed when he makes these passes? But they get there. And, um, you know, it's going to be fun to watch him play. And if he makes those free throws, I'd be willing to bet he will be playing late games against teams like Joel Embiid. They'll need a big out there. And, and DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan is definitely that guy. How crazy is it for you the way that the NBA has evolved? I mean, you you were in the league for a minute. Obviously, you played with, with a lot of great players. But just where it is today where, you know, sometimes you see some of these shots people would take. They, they might have gotten them benched back in the day, right? And now they're, they're firing up 12 of them in, in a game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that as a whole? Yeah, as a former player, I, I think we realize the the importance of analytics in today's game, and we know that the three point shot and the and the value of the three and and how that's influenced coaching, almost sort of forcing certain guys to take that shot. Who obviously in my era they would never take those threes. You know, it's it's fun to watch. I, I think you know you have multiple possessions back to back where there's just nothing but threes going on both sides of the court. It, it's fun to watch as a former player. I've learned to to adjust and, and and to embrace this new style of play, to embrace more scoring and, and sort of a little bit less defense, right? But I I think overall the league is in a great place. If you watched the playoffs last year, you watched the bubble, those guys were competing. We saw a lot of young stars emerging in the bubble. That was fun to watch. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing it now evolve into a, into a, a great NBA season. 
Well, you know, it's tougher on the defenses, right? My my stock point is uh, more square footage of the court issues nowadays because instead of, you know, somebody dribbling the ball up over half court and, and dumping it into the big man, his back's to the basket, it's Patrick Ewing or something, and then, you know, you could either play man-to-man or you had to send a hard double. The rules have evolved a little bit. Now when you got everybody spread out, you're having to navigate these screens. You're having to close out on every play. So I, I don't really think it's lack of defense as much as what you have to do defensively. And, and that's why I always sort of scoff, and I, I love your opinion on it, when people say, like, some of these guys wouldn't excel back in the day. Like, if, if they saw Kevin Durant, like, if Kevin Durant just showed up in the 1980s or, or Kevin Durant showed up in 1995, they think there, there was a trick being pulled on them, wouldn't they? Like, it was, you know, like, what's going on I with agree. this guy? I agree. <laughs> And, and surely when you watch Damian Lillard shoot the ball when he crosses half court, when you watch Steph Curry launch these threes from the timeline, game after game, and the ball in the net barely moves, you have to go out there now defensively and cover more ground, like you mentioned. And that is difficult to do, and it leaves the lane wide open. And um, and it just makes it so much harder to slow these, these teams and these players down. And that's why the game's in an exciting place, I, I think. Because of, like you said before, having to cover so much ground, it's it's almost impossible. And when, when you talk about an exciting place, you've mentioned it several times, a exciting season for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they, they've really arrived. You know, they, they moved to Brooklyn, then they're in this purgatory for a while. Now, all of a sudden, all of that work has come to, to bloom. And when we're looking at our, our predictions for this season and, and where it winds up, Kerry, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be like a homer here. I, I'm not trying to be too overly enthusiastic. Obviously, that you know, you have to see how it gels. Obviously, you know, you have to be healthy. That's but that's for everybody, right? Correct. But when it comes to the top level talent on this team, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and then the the depth that we mentioned, you know, I, I just don't see a, a team in the East who who can handle that. Giannis, um, you know, is great, but he hasn't proven himself in those those crunch time spots. They they made the big move for Drew Holiday this offseason. Yep. Miami, I, I love that team the way they spread it out, but. They're certainly, I think, beatable. Boston, we just saw what the Nets did to them the other night, albeit it, it being a pre preseason game. So I think um, the, the Nets are going to the finals if everything clicks right, and I think they'll be playing the Lakers. And and when you, you talk about a good season for the NBA, that's the, the best possible NBA finals I think that, that the league could get. And, and of course, I, I think uh, for, for anybody that's listening to the show, they'll take that LeBron against KD. Or maybe actually it would be Anthony Davis against KD sneakily. And, yep. and, then, and then you have LeBron and, and, and Kyrie and, and, you know, all the stories that would go with that. Yes, yes. I, I like your prediction. I, I like the Nets because of what you mentioned, right? They have two bona fide superstars. These guys close games. They've done it their entire careers in big moments. They've proven, right? So... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they can stay healthy, remain healthy throughout the season and learn how to close the games for the Nets, learn how to use their teammates. I think they overcome the Bucs. I really do. I, I think Giannis still has a way to go for the fourth quarter. That's always been a knock on Giannis so far in his young career. And wouldn't the NBA, right, love to see the Lakers against the Nets, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. That would be an exciting final to watch, especially, right, we have – Kyrie Irving's um, comments he made recently, right, about LeBron James and, and and sort of that going back and forth with LeBron responding to that. So I would love to watch that final. I think the NBA fans across the world would love to watch that. And um, the Nets fans, right, would be very excited as well. 
Yeah, still a long way to go to get there, but man, we're just off a couple preseason games. You see those two guys out there. It's not hard to see. It's not hard to close your eyes and fast forward. When are they playing them this year? July? And, and, yep. and seeing the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA Finals. We just look forward, but we're going to look back coming up um, to Kerry's playing days in the first edition of Kerry's Chronicles. All right, Nets fans, it's that time of the show where Kerry Kittles takes you back to his Nets playing days. This is the first installment of Kerry's Chronicles. Kerry, why don't you, you take us take it away with a, a story back uh, of those early 2000 Nets that, that everybody loves so much? Yeah, for those of you that weren't around yet in the early 2000s, our Net teams were, were something to brag about. Not only did we make it to back-to-back NBA Finals in 01 and 02, but we were really fun to watch. If you came to the Swamp in New Jersey back then, you're probably going to see Jason Kidd, right? flirting with a triple-double, and throwing lobs to Kenyon Martin and RJ from half court. More often than not, somewhere you'll probably find me spotting up from three, um, knocking down those long-distance shots. But in 2003, our third season together, things changed. And when I say they changed, it changed real quick. By January, we were on the collision course for disaster. The pressure was building, and guys were getting testy. The more we lost, more winnable games. As the trade talks were gaining momentum, our team president decided to fire the head coach. Byron Scott, somewhere around the end of the end of January. At that point, we kind of knew we had a clean slate and we woke up as a team and we ran off 13 straight wins. So we always knew we had the talent, but somehow we just couldn't get out of our own way. We ended up losing in the second round that year to the Pistons in the playoffs. But I learned a life lesson that I'll never forget. Change in leadership is actually sometimes a good thing. Let me take you guys behind the curtain and tell you guys the inside story. So I can remember it was a, it was in December and we were playing at Memphis. It was a horrible game for us that night. We wound up not even scoring 70 points. And after the game was over, we sort of had a team meeting with the group. And it was a little bit testy. I think the team was, was frustrated. We lost the game. We should have won. And after that meeting was over, we had some follow-up conversations with Byron Scott and with, with, with team management. And next thing you know, they, they fired Byron. And for the team, I, I thought that it was a fresh start for us. It gave us a chance to, to start from a clean slate. We ran off 13 or 14 games in a row. Right now, we're going to welcome in the first guest on Full Court on Flatbush, someone who made a big impact with the Nets, but not just the Nets, throughout the NBA in his career. Really a guy I would describe as a winner because he won with the New Jersey Nets going to the finals. He won with the Denver Nuggets, and he won with the New York Knicks, which is tough to do. I mean, it's not an easy task. Now he's winning post-career with his neat and unfiltered podcast, we welcome in the great Kenyon Martin. And, and Kenyon, how you feeling about your, your old team in, in a new borough with all this hype? I'm good, man. First and foremost, man, thanks for having me on. Hope you guys are staying safe out here and your family are doing the same. No, nah, I mean, this should be interesting this year. Um, having KD back, adding Kyrie to the mix, seeing all those guys jail together. Adding with the pieces and the things that those guys did last year at the end of the year in the bubble, finishing the year, they played well, played together, played hard, shared the ball. So let's see how it goes. They're the talk of New York, of course. So let's see how it goes. Hey, Kenyon, this is your former teammate, Kerry Kittles, man. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. 2K, what up, brother? What's going on? And, and also, he is winning with his son, who's now playing for the Houston Rockets and uh, just getting drafted this year. So I'm sure you're proud of him. Uh, tell us about that experience and also 
What do you think about the Houston Rockets and James Harden this year with, with all the talk around him getting traded? Yeah, first and foremost, man, I'm a proud papa. Um, thanks for, for showing the young fella some love, man. That's dedication to his hard work and determination um, to accomplish his childhood, childhood dreams of playing in the NBA. I couldn't be more proud and more excited for him to be in this situation. I think he's in a good situation down here with Houston, um, being on the team with some vets, some guys who's been through something, guys who's playing for something, um, guys who have a chip on their shoulders, so they get, yeah, they get to learn that aspect of it. I, how to going out and um, to compete at a high level each and every night with guys who've done it for a long time. But the James Harden situation is, it is what it is, man. Um, it's been going on for a while now, and, and it's unfortunate that Stephen Silas is put in this situation on his first head coaching job that have a bona fide superstar and not want to be with the organization. Uh, not to say that he doesn't want to play for Steven Silas. Uh, I think his, his gripe is with the organization. Very unfortunate. Very unfortunate because he's a talent. Top five MVP voting the last five years, winning one. You know, it's very sad, very unfortunate, but we know that's the business of sports. Some of it is good. Some of it is bad. It's just one of these situations, man, that we have to wait and see how it plays out. Um, but I told my son that it has nothing to do with you. Like you come in and you work, you keep your head down, you put your blinders on and you grind. Um, what goes on in the front office has nothing to do with you. Only thing you can control is how hard you work each and every day. So that's what he's focused on. That's good advice for sure. What What are your thoughts on though? How more prevalent it is nowadays for someone like James Harden to try and and force uh, the the situation to something more they're liking. We we see that as a recurring theme with guys who who sort of reach the end of what they think is their best chance with, uh, you know, in a, a franchise that they were on for a while. In this situation, I don't agree with it um, just because they've laid everything out at your feet. Um, they've given you multiple guys to play with. They changed the style the way that the game should play in order to fit the way that you play. In. They've bent over backwards, so to speak, in order to cater to James. And it's unfortunate that they're at this crossroad that um, two sides are not seeing eye to eye. Uh, it's very unfortunate, but that's the landscape that um, the NBA and other sports are in. Um, guys sign a deal, he thinks he's outperforming that deal, or he's not happy with his current situation. Then he shows his ass. You know what I'm so that's just where we're at. Um, we, we see it happen in other sports as well, not just basketball. But it's just so it's unfortunate that 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 is with a situation that, like, uh, like I said, with Stephen Silas getting his first head coaching job, and he has this has this looming. Uh, elephant in the room that needs to be taken care of sooner sooner than later all right Kenyon, and pulling it back to the nets what are your thoughts when I mean, we saw our former teammate jason Kerr, right finish his career and then go on and get become a head coach in the nba and now the nets have uh went out and did the, did the same thing with steve nash they pulled him from out of retirement wherever he was in california or canada to come and lead this team this year what's your thoughts on on Steve Nash leading this young group of guys? We'll see. First job, I've never played played on the team with Steve Nash. I've only heard things. And he has a high basketball IQ and so forth and so on. Um, so the kid had the same thing. We'll see how that worked out. It's tough to come in and for that to be your first gig, for you not to have any experience on the bench, any experience with that board, in-game situation. So it's a lot. But he's been blessed with talent. But we'll see how it goes. He's, he's been blessed with arguably the best, best player in the NBA. And one of the best isolation one-on-one players in um, the Kyrie. So we'll see well, with a group of young, hungry, energetic guys that want to, that that has something to prove. But we'll see how it plays out. Wish no ill will on him, but I'm saying we'll see. Like that's all I can do is sit back and and see how it goes. See if he's strong enough to to control what the narrative that Kyrie is presenting. An in-game situation if. If he wants the ball in Kevin's hands and Kyrie doesn't think so, like, let's see how that goes. 
So it's a lot to learn. You know, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw the Nets play in their in their first preseason games. Just want to get your thoughts on Kevin Durant, how he looked, and and if he's healthy, who would you pick it out of the East? Is Kevin Durant led Nets team, or would you choose uh, Giannis and the and the Bucks? I, I'm saying on paper right now because you don't know what what Brooklyn is going to be. But on paper, they one of one of if not the most talented teams in the East. But we all know things have constantly went through Milwaukee. You know, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Miami's still tough. I think Miami helped their calls this summer. Um, well, this offseason, rather. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the Bucks do with Drew Holiday out there now and the, the moves that they made. Let's, um, let's see how everybody gel together, man. But it's definitely going to be a tough role um, to have in, having Brooklyn uh, at full strength out there. But we'll see, man. Um, I want to see if Giannis is making jump shots. Um, he's more confident in that jump shot now. So there's <laughs> There's a lot of narratives, man, to play out this year, and I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to be a part of it from afar with my son. You know, so um, I'm I'm really excited to see what this season brings, seeing if the Lakers can bring um the same thing that they did last year. So let's see. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Giannis. I think he needs to get that pet move or hit those shots, but the, the Nets have two guys who can do that at, at any time. But you mentioned Kyrie a minute ago, Kenyon, and you said that the things that he sort of brought around the team I wanted to follow up on that because um I, I always saw you as, as somebody who would have the, the back of teammates but how would you feel about the Kyrie media thing and and everything else that's gone on uh, around Kyrie if you were one of his teammates we all grown men but but if it start affecting the team and then then we have something to say you know what I'm saying? But if it's not affecting what we're doing on the court if it's not affecting um, wins and losses then you can do what you got to do you know what I'm saying? That's his personal, that's his prerogative, whether he wants to talk to the media or not. That's his prerogative if you want around, you want to walk around the arena burning sage. You know, that ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So if it ain't affecting me and it ain't affecting the teammates, then he can do what he wants to do, man. He has his own rapport or lack thereof with the media and until they start hitting him in his pocket. You know what I'm saying? So, no. Nah. But no, it is what it is, man. If it's, like I said, if it's affecting the team, then definitely I would have something to say to him. But we're all grown, man, man. We all marched our own beat to a certain degree. You know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not into getting in guys' personal business, what they're doing with their time. Like I said, if it's not affecting us as a unit, do what you got to do, bro. Well, you know, when you said you'd have something to say to him, that that's behind closed doors, obviously. If it got yeah, to a, course, a, a breaking yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not a media gizzo blast nothing out to the media kind of guy I'm, I'm a, if i got something to say to you i'm gonna say it to you do you think the nets need somebody like that do they need a personality like that in their locker room who who is willing to challenge kd challenge Kyrie? Uh, i don't know if it's necessary to challenge him it's just to hold him accountable you know people are scared to say things to so-called superstars you know so i just think having guys like a jerry dudley in the locker room or you don't has them in your locker room goes a long way you know that they're not gonna play a lot but they voice carries because they, they were respected from the the longevity that, they, that they've had in the league. You know, so guys might not see it right away, but guys, having guys like that goes a long way with, well, uh, within your locker room. So I ain't necessarily check those guys, but having something, if those guys, holding those guys accountable is the main thing. And looking back in the summer, our playing days together with the Nets, what would you say will be some of your most memorable moments? Obviously, those are back-to-back NBA finals. For me, I know was was great times playing for the Nets. 
and, and watching you make the all-star team one of those seasons was, was awesome. But looking back for those four seasons playing New Jersey, starting your career there, what are some of your more, more memorable moments? Man, for all of us being healthy, for one, you know what I'm saying? Like, for us to be able to put it together. I'm saying yourself fighting back from injury, major injuries, people questioning whether you was going to play again. Uh, myself bouncing back from the mo- two broken legs within a year and people questioning whether I was going to play again. But us putting that thing together and uh, making a run that we did, of course, the first year. Um, the second year, uh, making it to the final, I think we had a legitimate shot, man. I like our team. I like our makeup. Yeah, man, some of my highlights, it was just, like I said, us us running through the East, us sweeping Detroit, us sweeping Boston, us sweeping guys. Man. Like, that, was, that was great. Like, people... Um, so we just wasn't winning out there. We was dominating for us to do it in the fashion that we was doing. And in the, in the East, when people said you can't run, you can't do this, and you can't do that, we were still finding ways to defend the way we was and get out and have fun, man. So it was great. Like we, uh, like I tell people all the time, man, it was some of the best basketball that I've been a part of. As far as us not really, like we didn't really communicate on how we was going to play. We just went out and competed. Like it wasn't like we sat around and, talked it up on how we need to play this person or how we need to play this series. We just strapped it up, man. We was going to run you out of the gym on the offensive end and we was going to strap it up defensively on the other end. And that made for a lot of wins, man, within a few years. And it's just unfortunate that management got in the way. You know, ownership got in the way of of us, cause I'm, I carry, I, I'm, a, I, I, I hold this wholeheartedly, bro. Had they not made that decision, ain't no doubt in my mind, man, we would have had a championship, bro. I, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. I think that you know we were on the verge of really breaking through as a team. I think we had some early success, but you know it just took some time for us to kind of grow and learn things together. And you know, like you said before, the business side sometimes intersects with you know the team's personal personal goals. So. Well, I was just going to, just for everybody that's listening, uh, can you, when you say that decision, can you just make sure everybody's aware of exactly what you're referring to and, and who you, you fought for, for what went down? Oh, I fought Bruce Ratton 100%. Like, ain't no, ain't no ifs, ands, and no, no ducks or doubts about it. He was my, uh, Bruce Ratton was the majority owner of the group that owned the Nets at the time. You know, he had 51%, and the 49% wanted to resign me. After my third season, they offered me a contract, and I, I turned it down because I, I was supposed to make the All-Star team that year, and I didn't. The next year, I made the All-Star team. So I went into free agency after that year. And I'm waiting on the phone call for them to offer me a contract, and they never called. And it was a decision of Bruce Ratner not to not to offer me anything beyond or what I was already signed for. So, yeah, I saw Bruce Ratner. I've never met him. I saw Bruce Ratner a few years ago, maybe five years ago, in a, at this event in L.A. Mutual friend we knew from the Nets. Like, I got somebody I would like to introduce you to. First words out of Bruce Ratner's mouth is, there's no hard feelings, is it? Like, so I just walked off. Avoid, yeah, the first words out of his mouth, man. Like, there's no hard feelings, is it? Like, dude, you cost me multiple all-star appearances. You cost the Nets a title. Like, yeah, there's it's hard feelings out here, man. Like, real hard feelings. Like, I, I hold that wholeheartedly. So when he said that, I just walked off to avoid me making a scene and or me slapping him in his mouth, one of the two. You know, so it was the best thing. <laughs> It was the best thing that I walked off, man. Yeah, nah, man, I hold it in. Nah, I still, like, I like people ask me about regrets throughout my career, which I don't have a lot, but that's something that that that's, that bothered me throughout my career, that we didn't get to finish what we had out there. You know, because me leaving there, like I said, I would have been more, like, I made the All-Star team that one year, and I was, like, that was one, supposed to be one of many for myself. But then I changed conferences. Now we stacked over there with forward, I'm saying the, the forward position in the West is stacked. Now I'm up against one of my teammates. I'm up against Dirk. I'm up against 
Elton Brand, I'm up against Rasheed Wallace, I'm up against uh, Tim Duncan, I'm up against every, I'm saying you name it, fours out there. So with my play and everything in the East, I would have made it. But, you know, you, you know, it was just like I said, I hold that um, near and dear to my heart, man. So, yeah, I blame Bruce Ratner 1,000%. 1, 1, well, there's no doubt. Uh, no one would ever uh, accuse you of not being real, Ken, you know, wearing your, your heart on your, your sleeve and, and appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, that wasn't obviously the end of your career, though. You know, you, yeah, not you at made, all. Not at all. But, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, went yeah. on and had a lot yeah, of success. Yeah, but yeah, any stretch of imagination, man. No, but still, like, you got to understand, like, we're where we were as, as as a team. Like, we were right on the edge. Like, we like Detroit beat us, and they went to win it. And we didn't feel Detroit was better than us. Like, they got lucky and hit a shot at the buzzer to go in overtime. Johnson made a hell, a hell of a shot at the end of one and saying to go to overtime. I foul out. They win the game. So, there was a bunch that came with it, you know. So, nah, we was right there. We didn't feel Detroit was better than us. But we felt like whoever came out of the East the next two, three, four years had a legitimate shot to win it because it was wide open. You wound up in the West with, with Denver, and then you came back East with, with New York. How would you assess the the New York basketball scene right now? I mean, you had a quick stop with the Clippers, I believe, in between. But the the um, New York basketball scene, obviously, I don't think anyone w- would, would say the Knicks haven't owned it from a popularity standpoint for a long time. But all of a sudden, the Nets are contenders, and let's just face it, the Knicks are, are not, and the buzz is around Brooklyn. What do you make of, of basketball in New York City? Because I've always said that it's dying to be a basketball town. How do you think it is right now? As long as the Nets are there and the Nets are relevant, then we're fine. But, but we know the brand of the New York Knicks is going to be there. You know, it's embedded in the in the area. You know, so it's not going anywhere no matter what the Nets do. Unless they go out and win a championship, then it's still going to be New York time, um, which is unfortunate because it's not about winning. It's just about the brand of and the, the, the mystique of the New York Knicks. And that carry kick test is when we was playing the Knicks and we swept them in the garden. We, we was happy like they was in there cheering for us. So it's going to be the same situation. Like, yeah, like, yeah, we in there like, so for us to sweep the Knicks during that time and, and now it's come back where the Nets are the most popular team. Now they in New York. So we'll see. Like the buzz is there. It's just on the other arm. It's just in a different borough. Yeah, you know, you, you, you were lucky also too to play with Carmelo Anthony in, in Denver, but I want to revisit those Nets days playing with Jason Kidd, right? I, I tell folks all the time, like, how amazing he was as a point guard and how he had these crazy six cents on the court and how he just always knew where all of us were at, at any given time. What was that experience like for you just, just playing with him? Share with the Nets fans how, how, how easy it was to play with him and how he made the game so easy for all of us. Oh, like you said, it just made it easy. Like he knew where you need to get your shots at, where the ball needed to be for you. Made my job easy on the on the offensive team. I mean, I'm on the offensive end of the floor. Um, like you said, just knowing, just knowing the movements that I was making, and just knowing where I needed the ball or where I wanted the ball, and or or his belief in my jumping ability, and he knew if he threw it up, I could like I would go get it. And just yeah, and, and the biggest part of that is the way he was defensively. Always roaming, no matter who he was guarding, he'd be guarding the best score on the other team. But he's always a help defense. He's always where he's supposed to be. He's always held accountable. But yeah, just making making everybody's jobs around him easy. People ask me all the time, what makes a great point guard? I said, guys like Andre Miller, Jason Kidd, and so forth. So guys that's led the league in assist and turnover. They said, what do you mean? Like that, that's not a good thing. I said, yeah, because you believe in your teammates, so you wouldn't try things. That was Jason. Yeah, like he he like he didn't like care about turning the ball over. But if he was if he was trying to make the play for one of his guys, you know, no, and that's the beauty of it. And then he never put it on you when there was a turnover. He always took responsibility for it. You no, know, no matter if it, no, no matter if it was your fault, he took responsibility for it. 
Yep, great well, teammate. Great, great teammate to play with. Clearly a basketball genius as well. And Kenyon, uh, thanks for making our jobs easier. You made our jobs easier. You can check out Kenyon Martin's podcast, uh, Neat and Unfiltered. You can also follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Kenyon Martin Senior. Kenyon, really appreciate you joining Full Court on Flatbush today. No problem, man. Thanks, you guys, very much for having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. I got my old dog, Kerry, on there, man. He reached out, told him not to. Not, not a problem, man. Anytime you guys want to have me on, bring me back on, man. It'll be a pleasure. You guys stay safe out here, man. Be blessed. Let's get this season underway, man. I'm excited. The next stop is Barclays Center. Flatbush Avenue. That wraps up episode one, or if you're going by jersey number, the Chris Childs or Marcus Williams edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks as always to Jake Brown for producing the show. And you can subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We'll return next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the entire Nets season. We really appreciate y'all listening. Talk to you next week and stay safe.